Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders past and present of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio. Yes, George. Why are you looking at me like that? Just because you, you literally got in the studio five seconds ago <laughs> that you gave the smoothest introduction that you would never have known. Yeah, uh, but now you. I just announced it. So. Yeah, but now everybody knows. <laughs> yeah. You're in the studio. Where's that confidence coming from? What is that? You're in the studio with myself, Anya, Snitches, Chris Woods, <laughs> George Maxwell. Good morning. And Ayan Shara. Hey, hey. How's everyone doing? Uh, good. I'm doing fantastic. Mm. Um, can't complain. Excited to see and chat to MV. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Tell us yeah. about that. Yeah, okay. so MV is coming on at 7.30 to talk about um, their experiences in the Jehovah Witness organization and right. also the Royal Commission into Institutional uh, responses to child abuse. Yeah. To child abuse, oh, yeah. So there was a chapter on Jehovah's Witness. Mm. And so Envy and I are going to get into that sort of why do people find it hard to speak out and how does the organisation mm. respond to allegations right. of child abuse. Yeah, so it's, it's really going to be a heavy show. Yeah. Um, and True. if listeners don't um, want to listen to that sort of thing this morning, please uh, tune out for the first half an hour or so. Yeah. Um, you can also call 1-800-RESPECT if you need help on 1-800-737-732. And there are also other um, redress mm. and survivor support services number, which we will find and tell you just before we start the, the chat with MV. Um, other than that, what else do we have? So, I'm really excited to talk to Tilda Joy, mm. who I'm sure most of us in the room know about, and I think listeners as well because she is a, a 3CR volunteer, mm. oh. uh, but also a, an incredible unionist, uh, trans woman, community organiser, and part-time re- uh, retail worker. And she was the MC at Slut Walk. Oh, cool. Which I'm shamefully admitting I did not make it to. So we're going to have a debrief. I really want to find out about how that went. Amazing. And, and what, I guess, the next steps are mm. now b- building on from that. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. Mm. Yeah, cool. That's great. And then I think I'm going to be talking to Dr. Joe Latham, who is um, a postdoctoral fellow at the Deakin Institute uh, Deakin University, um, and he's coming in to talk about the concepts of trans feminism, um, the usefulness of feminist thinking and solidarity, um, and about his latest book. So, really What's excited. What's the book? Well, you'll hear about it later. Ah, <laughs> oh you have to see that. Spence, please. Anya, sneaky Scott. Sneaky Scott, there we go. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Let's just throw <laughs> all scorps under the bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's already started. Yeah. Yeah. But our favourite segment of the day, Chris. Chris. Oh, with a head yeah. Time. Would we say favourite? No, I would say favourite. I, I think I, I am. Well. You're so smart, <laughs> I am. Thanks, bud. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, first of all, I think a tiny bit of good news, because everything's generally been very rough this year. It's been a hard year for a lot of people. Uh, but it is... Um, Baruz Buchani got out of uh, Papua New Guinea on the weekend and got off, off Manus uh, with the help of Amnesty International and uh, another network. They kind of coordinated to get him here to go through kind of like a circuitous route. Um, they they got him a tourist visa to New Zealand, I believe, um, but then he had to go through a few different other countries. He flew over briefly over Australia, I think, for a bit. And now he's in New Zealand, and it's um yeah, it's phenomenal. It is it's he's he's been on, on Manus Island for about seven years. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know about Baruz, he is a Iranian journalist. He is a refugee. He arrived in Australia by boat in 2013, seeking asylum. Instead of helping him, we put him on an island prison. Uh, and then he um he's done a really incredible job of reporting on the events as they happen. Like he's he wrote a book over a, over WhatsApp. Like he's done these, you know, he, t- mm. he took videos in secret. Mm. He's he's really just phenomenally brave, and he was taking care of all these other people while I was there as well. Like he was, you know, it was an absolute machine. Um, and it was actually quite. It was, I mean, it was very darkly comic, but it was it was quite funny. On the day that he got out, all these, you know, I'm not sure if the federal government has responded yet. I, I feel like they haven't. I would have heard it, but. Um, they Labour, Christina Keneally put a little message out being like, oh, Labour congratulates Baruz on mm. finding settlement in a third mm. country. And it was very, it was very self, it was like, you have, trying to have it both ways. You can yeah. support offshore concentration camps, but not for too long, because they put him there in 2013. And he basically said that. He's like, I do not want to be congratulated by you. Uh, you put me there back in, in 2013. Um, so he, uh, yeah, that was quite, that all played out over Twitter because Twitter's just like mm. that these days. Um, mm. But, yeah, he's at safety, I believe. I think he's... Um, I'm not sure if he's got a permanent visa yet or not. I think his visa... His visitor visa for the extension was refused. Right. Uh, but I think the plan is then to apply for asylum seeker visa in New Zealand. Um, but also there was talk about him being resettled in the US at some point. Uh, yeah, that's right. He said if he couldn't, if you're going to get New mm. Zealand, he would go for New Zealand. He's definitely not US. coming back here. Yes. Is what he said. Yeah, mm. which so. is much, extremely fair, fair yeah. <laughs> after what we did to him. Um, but yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, I did hear that it was rejected, but he hasn't sought asylum yet in New yeah, Zealand. So yeah. That would be great. Yes. Yeah. If he got there. Um, okay, so that's the one kind of bit of positive news for this morning because there's a lot a lot of a lot else going on we've got um yeah yeah, we've got a week and a half now of historic bushfires around australia last week we had uh you know whole swathes of queensland and new south wales uh this week we had i think it was a 40 40 degrees in perth in november uh, which is just incredible adelaide was 17 degrees above normal their average temperature Yesterday, and again, November. Uh, 17 degrees. 17 degrees. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah, and today I think Sydney, you know, I'm not not sure if we have any listeners in Sydney, but uh, I think today is a total fire ban across Sydney, and, like, it's, you know, people are prepping again because 
last week was really just the, the intro to what will be a really horrific bushfire season. Victoria, I think it's, they're saying that we've escaped a lot of this so far, but we are. It's coming. Like, it's coming. Yeah. yeah. When we get into actual summer, Not like, wood. then we will, it will, it will kind of happen. Yeah. Uh, and across the world right now, we've, we've got a few updates and all of them kind of scary. Uh, we've, I, I, please, I apologize if, I, if I'm pronouncing this wrong, but Gotabaya Rajapaksa, uh, the former yeah. defense secretary in Sri Lanka, uh, has won the latest election, which is terrible news for a lot of yes. Tamils in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. George. Well, I was just going to jump in that, that he is like, uh, yeah, he's done some disgusting stuff in his time as defense secretary and oversaw the murder of over 100,000 Tamils in 2009, just as the civil war was ending. Mm. So it's, it's just absolutely devastating. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's horrible. And as you mentioned, I think you mentioned on Facebook that it's also horrible news for a lot of people seeking asylum in Australia. Yes. And yep. Australia has been particularly bad at refouling and rejecting Sri Lankans seeking yes. asylum yep. for years now. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah, complete denial about that history. Yes. Yeah, and yep. very cushy with, with every president. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. And as a matter of course, if somebody, you know, the whole turnbacks thing means that we can't acknowledge what, what is happening after we turn people back, you know. Yeah. Um, and there's confirmed cases mm. of them going back to torture. And it's, mm. um, yeah, so we've got, and he, he's just won Sri Lankan election, which we know, uh, I think it was like 52, just 52, 58%. Um, I, yeah, I don't know what the new cabinet or anything is going to look like, but yeah. he, he ran on a national security platform post, because I know there were bombings early this year, which yes. were horrific, and I, I think he turned a lot of that into his campaign. Absolutely. They used that. Nationalism, Islamophobia, terrorism, mm. yeah, that was a huge part of it. Yeah. We'll be, um, w- hopefully we'll be talking to Nero next week from the Tamil Refugee Council. Once more of the, once we have, because it's only, it's pretty fresh, like it was over the weekend, mm. once we have all of the updates, we can kind of have a proper debrief about that and those mm. results. Yeah. Yeah, great. And I um I know much, much, much less about this, but I know Bolivia there was a coup over the yes. last couple of weeks. A yeah. genuine military coup, no matter what people tell you, it is not a good thing when the military seizes power and, and they used a kind of some like te- technical there was there was there was a small element of, of uh election kind of they 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 thought that there was something dodgy with the latest elections. Uh, the latest guy, Morales, he um, he announced he was like, let's do new elections, you know, yeah. uh, but he was pretty much forced to step down. He wasn't supposed to keep that. I think that was the main issue is that he'd been in power for a long, for a long time yes. and the people had sort of spoken out against that. I yeah. think so, but I think he was also ruled according. I, I don't know exactly, obviously, the intricacies of mm. Bolivia, uh, but I, I feel like he got through on that. On some, Like the Supreme Court said that there was nothing to stop him mm. or something like that. Uh, but the reaction to that has been a military coup. Yeah. Uh, Anise, I think her name is, has, um, like, he, they basically forced him to step down. Anise has taken power, and she has really gone, like, it's quite horrific what they're doing to in both, like, it was a really, this was a hard right, kind of, like, they, they ripped down an indigenous flag and put the Bible up, kind yes. of thing. Like, yeah. Uh, and they've given the military uh, freedom from criminal uh, prosecution to like whatever they do over the next couple of weeks like they've murdered protesters uh this is it's deeply horrific um yeah. uh 
but he and he's I think he's taken asylum in Mexico. Yes, now. that's correct. Yeah. And what's I think important for us to understand is going back, you know, a couple of years, it was Bolivia's and Morales' rejection of the IMF and these kinds of austerity measures and neoliberal yes. policies that has resulted in this outcome because, you know, the US and other states will not let countries in um, Central and South America get away with that. You, know, you can't totally. try, you know, if they, if they try to reject the privatisation of water mm. or privatisation of any industry, mm. the IMF was going to come in and say, no, you can't do that. Yes. It's in your interest not to do that. And mm. so this is, you know, we need to kind of, I guess, reflect on that history. Totally. And extrapolate and be like, this is this kind of thing is being celebrated by people like Donald Trump and yes. his strong mm. suggestion that the CIA had a lot of influence into the groups that, yeah. that overthrew this. They've, there's something about lithium mines, I think, at the moment. There's some, some argument that he was locking up areas because yeah. he was really got in on indigenous representation he grew he got people out of poverty like yeah. this definitely this didn't sound like a thing that was like oh the economy's broken or something it's like no yeah. every people are doing better better indigenous rights but uh don't be surprised i guess if over the next few years a lot of lithium mines get opened up yeah mm. um and the only other way i probably won't bring everyone down too much the only other one is hong kong right now there yes. is uh yeah. student protesters Hold up in university. It's, it's been ongoing for a long time. Yeah. I, I, we speak about it this a bit that this turned into an anti-police violence mm. kind of protest after what happened with the extradition bill earlier in the year. Um, mm. But the uh, yeah, the military is is absolutely cracked down. Um, and yeah, right now as we speak, they're they're kind of making a semi-last stand at a university. Yeah. They're horrific uh, yeah. um, images of students holding up mattresses to shield themselves from from bullets from the army. Jesus. Um, and that's all happening now. Yeah, what started as a sort of a small protest has just ballooned up into you know lots of dissatisfaction against the government. Yeah. Speaking of dissatisfaction against the government, I've got news closet at home. Um, so in Singapore at the moment, there are three constitutional challenges that are being tested um, to change section to, to repeal section 377A, which um, criminalizes um, quote unquote gross indecency between men. Basically, the mm-hmm. um, law criminalizing homosexual behavior, wow. which was repealed earlier in India last year, end of last year or earlier this year, I can't remember. Um, but since that's happened, there's been a movement in Singapore to repeal 377A, and it's gained a lot of traction. And right now, there are three challenges in court at the moment. Um, it's a little bit um, sort of painful to follow because the arguments that are being put forward is basically that sexual orientation is natural and can't be changed, while the other side saying, uh, actually, it's a um, it's influenced by the environment and it's it's not um, a natural thing. It's a willful behaviour. So it'll be really interesting to see if it can be repealed. Um, a lot of politicians and a lot of um, professors and you know academics have spoken in support of repealing the law, arguing that it's you know it's an old colonial relic, um, and it has been abolished in a lot of these old colonized countries already anyway. Um, but there is still a strong Christian and Muslim majority in Singapore that is very much against repealing this law. So it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. It's mm. been done before has gotten nowhere, but the, I think the public sentiment is changing a lot. So we'll okay. see. Might happen this week. Really? Yeah. We'll have to watch watch this space. Yeah, it's really mm-hmm. interesting because the annual pride that happens every year, which is called Ping Dot, usually is very, like, happy, clappy, you know, we're just yeah. part of your family, we love each other, etc. But this year they actually 
um, started protesting and the, the light up at the end of the parade actually said repeal 377A, which for Singapore is, is quite um, an extreme move of protest. So, you know, people yeah. are wanting change. Yeah. That's awesome. It's exciting mm-hmm. news. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. yeah. So is that it for news? Uh, there's one. Sorry, I just yeah, there's yeah. one oh, small yeah. thing. <laughs> you get next one week, left. I get one left. <laughs> it's, it's a big one. It's um, next week. We the Medivac repeal legislation hits to the Senate, mm-hmm. and that uh, that was. I think it technically could have happened last week, and it sounded like the Morrison government didn't want to put it forward because they were worried they didn't have the support. But it. Um, it all kind of comes down to Jackie Lambie next week, which I think we we actually kind of broke that a couple yeah. months ago when we were looking at the results. And it's like, you know, we took a punt where, like, it looks like it's all going to come. She's the only one, and she's still openly saying that she hasn't decided. Um, mm. And for anyone who's, who's unfamiliar, Medivac expedites medical evacuations from Manus and Nauru. It means that Peter Dutton has, he still has, he can still block people on security grounds, but... It means he does not have carte blanche when it comes to medical decisions, which should not be that surprising when we're talking mm. about people's lives and people like the conditions and what people have, like I can't imagine what people have gone through, but it's it's truly torture. It has been tantamount to torture, and we um, yeah, this basically just says it's a it makes it a little bit easier for doctors to say no, this person needs to come to Australia or mm. they need to come somewhere to safety. Um, uh, but yeah, next week comes to a vote. Uh, a poll came out this morning that said most people in Tasmania, something like 63%, like well over 60, 70% or something, um, support Medivac. Uh, so Jackie Lambie, if by any chance you're listening, by the sounds of it, most people in Tasmania, I think generally it has brought support anyway. Um, but this was this poll, I think it was the Australia Institute ran it, was specifically targeted to Tasmania. So she talks about representing her state. This is a good way to prove it. Thanks for the headlines. And just yeah. finally... Finally, very important. I watched Charlie's Angels yesterday. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really have fun. Well, just, you know, Let's talk about I Was it good? What and on it? a high note. Actually, it's a very low note. Um, I went primarily to see <laughs> Kristen Stewart kiss another woman on screen, which, as other ke- queers would attest, we knew she was gay even before she came out. Of uh, <laughs> Unfortunately, there was a lot of queer baiting in, this, in the movie, which... Um, was what do you mean queer baiting? So, you know, um, there's lots of indication that she might be queer and that, she, you know, oh. she might kiss someone, but then it never actually happened. Oh. And I just feel like everyone in the audience would just like, every time she got close to another person, we'd all be waiting with bated breath and then <laughs> nothing would happen. So, so yeah. she never made out with anyone. Spoiler alert, I should have mentioned it. Um, but if that's the only reason you're going to the movie, like I did, no shame, <laughs> yeah. uh, save your money. Yeah. That's all I okay. uh, what Good to know. Shame. Yeah, yeah, along with queer baiting, I feel like the other thing is queer projecting. Uh, when you think that, <laughs> that something's a queer is thing. Is she gay or do you want her to be yeah. gay? Yeah, <laughs> like when I saw the MIA doco, I thought that she was in a relationship with her friend. Oh. And then after the movie, my friend was like, no, they were just friends. Like, how did you... I think that's just you, George. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. anyway, um, so today is my brother's birthday. Oh. Happy birthday, Rory. Yeah. Happy birthday, Rory. Um, and I just wanted to say a couple of words and play one of his tracks because uh, he is a musician and he's a very talented musician as well, and I'm not biased. And I just want to say that I've been watching him playing music since, you know, since my, my whole life, and as soon as he got a guitar, it, that was it. It was like every single day he'd come home from school and go straight to the guitar and loved it and is so passionate about it and I think with 
musicians, you can really tell when they mean it. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of musicians around, but you can really tell when they mean it and they put a lot of feeling into their music. And he's really trying to prioritize that now. Um, and I really, really, really respect that. So I just want to say that I love you so much, Rory. And I'm so proud of you. This is uh, his new EP, Health and Education. And this track is called You Get a Sense You've Been Wrong.
Most LGBTIQ people experience positive, intimate and family relationships. However, like cisgendered heterosexual people, some LGBTIQ people experience abuse and violence in their relationships. With Respect is a new family violence service for LGBTIQ plus Victorians, providing counselling and recovery programs for victims and survivors of family violence and help for people using violence who want to stop. With Respect is a partnership between Queer Space, Thorn Harbour Health, Switchboard Victoria and Transgender Victoria. For more information, visit withrespect.org.au or call 1-800-542-847. With Respect is not a crisis service. If you need immediate help, call triple zero. A 3CR supporter. Outer Urban Projects and La Mama present The Audition, a multi-authored work interrogating the protocols and power relationships of the audition process to uncover what it means to seek asylum. Director Irini Vela has assembled an exceptional team of award-winning writers, including Christos Tsiolkos, Melissa Reeves, Patricia Cornelius, Tess Lisiotis and Wahibi Musa, with Iranian associate artists Sara Davudi and Milad Noruzi, performing alongside Mary Sitarinos, Peter Paltos and musician Vahidi Essari. The audition, 13th to the 24th of November, bookings at lamama.com.au. Outer Urban Projects, a 3CR supporter.
LGBTIQ people experience positive, intimate, and family relationships. However, like cisgendered heterosexual people, some LGBTIQ people experience abuse and violence in their relationships. With Respect is a new family violence service for LGBTIQ plus Victorians, providing counseling and recovery programs for victims and survivors of family violence and help for people using violence who want to stop. With Respect is a partnership between Queer Space, Thorn Harbour Health, Switchboard Victoria and Transgender Victoria. For more information, visit withrespect.org.au or call 1-800-542-847. With Respect is not a crisis service. If you need immediate help, call 000. A 3CR supporter. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR with myself, George. We've got Ayan on the panel. We have Anya. We have Chris, who's been relegated to the corner now and doesn't even get a mic anymore. <laughs> and we have MV. Hello. Hi. Joining us in the studio. Thank you so much for having me on Tuesday Breakfast. It's such yeah. a pleasure. No worries. So I just wanted to back announce a couple of tracks. The first one we heard was from my big brother, Rory. Uh, his um, artist name is Surf. He has a new EP out. It's called Health and Education. So it's it's post-punk 80s kind of stuff. He he does all of the instruments. He's he's amazing. And that track is called You Get a Sense You've Been Wrong. Mm, such a great track. And we were just talking about how I was praying that it would be decent. I was like, please, we're here to support George, but please let it be good. And it was good. We loved it. Thank you. I love it. You always come with the... Um, the goods, George. Okay, so before... No, and the other song was God by Tori Amos. Yeah. That was my choice, because um, my favourite line from that song is, um, God, sometimes you just don't come through when you need a woman to look after you. Ooh. Ooh. <sighs> just saying. Just saying. <laughs> and they're back. No. Okay, so before we chat to MV, um, we want to warn our listeners that the following interview includes content that might be distressing to some of our listeners. So the segment includes descriptions of the following things, religious fundamentalism and programming, religious shunning and excommunication, conversion, thera- <coughs> sorry, conversion therapy, child abuse, queer phobia, sexual assault, mental health, suicide and self-harm if these topics might be a trigger for you please please tune out for the next 20 minutes Um, if what we've just mentioned has caused you any distress please call lifeline on 13 11 14 or q life on 1800 184 527 that's 
1-800-184-527 and they provide um, LGBTI peer support and referral. You can also call the Rape and Domestic Violence Services Australia on 1-800-211-028. That's 1-800-211-028. So our next guest, our guest actually, what am I saying, next guest, our guest is MV. MV is a sound artist. They're also the producer of the 3CR program, Queering the Air. They're a registered nurse and a former Jehovah Witness member. Welcome to Tuesday Breakfast, MV. Hi, 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 hi. Thanks. It's good to have you. Okay, so before we look at your time in Jehovah, your time as a Jehovah Witness member, can you tell us who Jehovah Witnesses are? Because the only thing I know about them is that they do door knocking. <laughs> but there's more to it. There's more to it, unfortunately. Yes. <clears throat> well, they're described as a Christian denomination with non-Trinitarian uh, belief system, and that's usually distinct from mainstream Christianity. Uh, they're governed by a bunch of dudes <laughs> called the governing body of the Jehovah's Witnesses, and there are a bunch of elders that live in New York in the USA, and they establish all doctrines that are based upon their own interpretations of the Bible. As you said, they're known for their door-to-door preaching and distributing literature such as The Watchtower and The Awake, and also they are known for refusing blood transfusions. Mm. And they consider the, the, the use of God's name as vital to their worship, and they consider the rest of society morally corrupt and under the influence of Satan, and most Jehovah's Witnesses limit their association with people who are non-witnesses. And congregational disciplinary action mm. includes disfellowshipping, which is their term used for the formal expulsion or excommunication of former members or mm. people who are no longer interested in the religion. And people who are baptised and formally leave are considered disassociated and are also shunned. And they can be shunned by their congregation, but also their close family members. Um, they don't believe in the Trinity. They don't believe in Hellfire. They don't celebrate birthdays or Easter or Christmas or any other holidays they think that have any pagan mm. origins that's connected with them because they don't think it's compatible with Christianity. And they used a lot of jargon that is very cult-like. So it's very insular. So when you believe in Jehovah, you are in the truth or you have the truth. Right. And so, and they've been teaching that there's the end of this current system of things that will culminate with Armageddon. And they've been preaching this basically since 1914. So it's, yeah, yeah. more than a hundred years. Look, and it goes on, and I suppose just to contextualize it for, for what, for what happened to me later on, um, all sexual relations outside of marriage are grounds for expulsion if you are not deemed repentant. Um, homosexual activity is considered a serious sin and same-sex marriage is not an option. Yeah. Um, abortion is considered murder. Suicide is considered self-murder and a sin against God. And so the use of tobacco, illicit drugs, gambling and so forth are also um, forbidden. And, yeah, and the family structure is uh, patriarchal, as is the religious mm. system as well. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, 
There you go. That's who they yeah. are. In, mean, in a really small nutshell, there's more to it. Yeah. Um, this is just stuff that is sort of like societal and sort of their moral and ethic code. But there's some really weird doctrines out there that have been born out of some really outlandish ideas yeah. to do with um, <laughs> numerology and, you know, pyramidology and Egyptians. And it's just, it's, it boggles my mind. And it boggles my mind how my family got involved at, when I was at such a young age. So, yeah. yeah. Well, which ties nicely to our next question. Sure. So your family um, began studying Jehovah's Witness um, scriptures when you were only six years old, right? Mm. So what was life like in the organization? And also, if you're... If you are okay with maybe discussing it, maybe your like door knocking adventures as well, <laughs> I'd love to know. <laughs> sure, I, I suppose my 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 family structure, my like my it's quite um, fractured. My family, my father never studied or studied for a short time with the Jehovah's Witness, so he was um, raised and t- t- continues to be a Roman Catholic. Um, it was this was a religion that appealed to my mother. I know this is something that you want to discuss later, and we can. Um, life was difficult. My father was quite. He persecuted us a lot, so there was a lot of DV and FV, uh, family violence and domestic violence, in the family for many years. So f- for about fifteen years, as a result of our family moving over to the Jehovah's Witnesses, and it was something that my. F- Whoa. Sorry, just the chair fell down. Sorry, that was my fault. (laughs) No, no, I totally... It doesn't matter what I did. That's just a side point. So it's something that appealed to my mother and something that she felt strongly about. So the structure was really difficult. We had to really um, fight hard to be in the religion. And it was something that I felt quite strongly about Mm. as a young person. But that's a lot to do with programming and what a lot of people at that time called brainwashing. So you're meant to feel that because you were persecuted so hard that this is something that is really important. There's a lot of scripture to, <laughs> there's a lot of scripture by the Jehovah's Witnesses that they quote to say that when you are persecuted, like Jesus was, mm. then you're doing the right thing. So you think, wow, okay, cool. Jesus was persecuted as we see in history. So I must be doing the right thing. So for years and years, you are programmed this way and you are not permitted to look at any research or literature outside of the Jehovah's Witnesses. So it's really insular. Mm. You become really insular and separate from the world, mm. which is a term they use. Is um, mm. You need to be separate from the world. And MV, from the sounds of it, it sounds a lot like a lot of religions. You know, there's strict guidelines <coughs> and rules. Um, but what do you think is that appeal? To Jehovah's Witness, why do you think people join up? Because not everyone is born into the religion; people join up later in life. So, what is it that's so attractive? I suppose from the outset, what I do want to say is that overall, the Jehovah's Witnesses are a kind and loving people, misguided but loving. Um, however, like I said, there is so much mind control. There's no autonomy of thought. And you're not permitted to think outside of the Jehovah's Witnesses prescribed uh, prescribed texts and literature. I think the appeal is 
I wrote down a scripture here that I think appeals to a lot of people. So if you have a Christian Bible, whatever it is called, in Revelation 21.4, I can't believe I'm quoting this, but I will because it gives it context. This scripture says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, nor shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. So I think when people read that, they're like, wow, I am suffering so hard. I have all these things that are happening to me. Um, this is hope. Yeah. And a lot, that's a lot of the time with religion <clears throat> and other faiths is that there's a hope of a better future. Yeah. It offers salvation, which I think most of us are looking for. Yeah. Right. And answers. And why is there so much suffering in the world? So. In hindsight, when I look back, a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses prey on people that are vulnerable or have lost a loved one, or a lot of people that have already an intrinsic belief in God, um, this is their appeal. And I think a lot of people that don't have structure in their life tend to go with the Jehovah's Witnesses because there is so much structure. Mm. I mean, it's it's broader than that. Yeah. But it's definitely a sense of belonging. Yeah. Because initially you do feel like you belong hmm. and you feel loved and you feel cared for. And even though it provided community and sort of, I guess, a way, like you felt chosen and it made you feel special, I suppose, in a way, you eventually left. What was the reason for your departure? Sure. Um, I was baptised at the age of 17, so that was about 1995-1996. Uh, to contextualize it, um, in my heart, I left the religion in 2001, so I would have been in my early 20s, and I was formally um, excommunicated in 2005. Now, I don't know what the math is, but let's just say I was in my mid-20s. The reason why I left is I'd been questioning things for a long time, and obviously my sexuality and gender expression was something that was coming to a head. And so I started doing research on the internet, mm-hmm. and I came across a site called Silent Lambs, which is something that is still continuing now. And this is where I started finding out about child sexual abuse that was happening within the Jehovah's Witnesses religion, and how pedophiles were being moved. It's 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 a it's a usual narrative, isn't it? Yeah. Um, pedophiles are found within a religion, and they are moved to another congregation or another parish or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it was being covered up, and silent lambs, as in these these kids, these people were were like little lambs, yeah, they needed to be cared for by their shepherd, yeah. you know by their flock, and they weren't and a lot of people were taking their own lives, and a lot of people had mental health issues and This is when I first started thinking there's something up, I need to do more research, this doesn't fit well with me why don't I not why don't I know that there's um pedophilia within the Jehovah's witnesses? Yeah, and I'd been living a double life for like 10 years. So let's say from 17, you know, from 95 to um, 2005, I'd been leading a double life. And I just didn't want to lie anymore. And I wanted to be true to myself. And I just didn't want to subdue my true true self and self-being and self-expression. So, yeah, look, it took me a while to leave. I, I kind of prepared for about four years to leave because I knew as a result that I wouldn't have the capacity to speak to a lot of my friends and my family once I decided to formally leave the religion 
and as a result I've been shunned by the majority of my friends within that congregation and the majority of my family for close to 15 years. Mm. Yeah. Wow, Envy. And, you know, I listened to an interview that you did with, um, I forgot her name. Carly D. Carly D. Yeah. Um, with her, uh, on her podcast, Insane. So it's in and then in brackets the word saints. And I think you're episode 24 or something. So in that episode, you talk about how, um, as you just mentioned right now, it was like a long process. And even once you left, it was so hard. I think people just assume that once you leave like a religion, that it's all gravy. You know, you found freedom and now you're living in like greener pastures, but that's not the case because now you've lost community, you've lost support networks and and so on. And I can just imagine how difficult that must have been, hey? Really intense, really intense. I think I did it in a clever way. <laughs> um, I made sure that I had like a bit of a crossover period. So this is my preparation for four years was like um, still leading my double life within the Jehovah's Witnesses and preparing my life outside of the Jehovah's Witnesses as well. Mm. So making sure I had community. Look, and of course, yes, it was really difficult and not being able to speak to my family for many years um, because they ousted me for for many different reasons. It was quite difficult because I I felt like we were close at one point. Um, So, you know, um, whenever I talk about my family, there's always a little bit of um, trepidation um, because of the fractured relationships that I have there. Mm. So... Yeah, look, it, it's, it's difficult, and a lot of people that leave um, fare really, really badly. And like I said, a lot of people um, fall deep into the vortex of mental health and suicide and self-harm yeah. for many years. So it's, it's actually really horrible the way uh, people are shunned and removed from their families and abandoned right. in their time of need. Yeah. And let's actually now play some community announcements. And when we come back, we can talk about the way the organisation has handled allegations of child abuse. Most LGBTIQ people experience positive, intimate and family relationships. However, like cisgendered heterosexual people, some LGBTIQ people experience abuse and violence in their relationships. With Respect is a new family violence service for LGBTIQ plus Victorians, providing counselling and recovery programs for victims and survivors of family violence and help for people using violence who want to stop. With Respect is a partnership between queer Space, Thorn Harbour Health, Switchboard Victoria and Transgender Victoria. For more information, visit withrespect.org.au or call 1-800-542-847. With Respect is not a crisis service. If you need immediate help, call 000. On Thursday 28th of November at 12pm, environment groups and communities from across Victoria will peacefully rally together at Parliament to call for urgent action for our natural world. After five years of the Andrews government, nature deserves more, especially in the face of climate change. Victorians need new and better funded national parks, stronger nature laws and better protection for our threatened forests, rivers, beaches, oceans and native plants and animals. We need real action for our natural places and wildlife now. Join in the Nature for Life rally. Bring a sign to highlight the natural places you love that deserve better protection. See you on Parliament Steps, Thursday, 28th of November at 12pm. Look for Nature for Life rally on Facebook and visit Victoria National Parks Association website, vnpa.org.au 
forward slash rally. VNPA is a 3CR supporter. Welcome back. If um, you're just tuning in, we've been chatting to MV, who um, is one of the producers of Queering the Air, a 3CR program. And we've been chatting to MV about their experiences being a member of Jehovah's Witness and why they left and also um, what happens when someone is excommunicated. Um, right now, we're going to talk about um, some of the key findings from the Royal Commission into the Institutional rep- Responses to Child Sexual Abuse. Um, I know that they did a report especially on Jehovah's Witnesses, and you can find that on online, and it's called Case Study 29 Jehovah's Witnesses. What were some findings that were interesting to you or surprising? Right. I'm going to try to do this really quickly as well. Um, so the Royal Commission, it was in 2015. It was having a look at a case study 29, which had a look at two different people that came forward in relation to allegations of child sex abuse whilst they were in the Jehovah's Witnesses religion. And it shows that since 1950, the organisation in Australia had recorded allegations, reports or complaints of child sexual abuse against 1,006 members of the organisation. And a lot of these were not reported to the authorities when they occurred. So what was happening, a lot of it was being covered up and people were being moved on. So some of the problematic policies um, that were was found through the Royal Commission included the fact that the organisation did not have a practice of reporting child sex abuse or to police or to authorities. And before 1998, a survivor of child sexual abuse was required to make the allegation in the presence of the abuser. Mm. No women were um, involved in any of these cases, so they were always absent. So it was usually men that were men of the congregation, so elders that were looking after this these allegations, and there was no provision for a survivor to be accompanied by a support person during the internal disciplinary process. Mm. And there has been ineffective risk management as well, and that the organisation had a policy of shunning of its members if they came forward to the authorities or to the police. Now, they will firmly deny that, but I know for a fact from people Mm. close within my life that when they've come forward with child sexual abuse allegations or sexual abuse in general, they have been shunned for doing so if they've Mm. gone to the authorities. Mm. So I think they were the key findings that the problematic key findings. And it's my understanding that since 2015, there has been no real move to change those policies. Yes, they Yes, they have written things on their website to say that they um, abhor uh, child sex abuse, yeah. but they continue to use this two-witness rule, right. which is what you mentioned off-air. And it's it's quite a weird... Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm trying to find yeah. where I have this information, but there's a scripture, and I can't believe I'm um, you know yeah. doing this whole scripture thing again, but... In Deuteronomy, it talks about, it's one of the Hebrew scriptures where it talks about that you can't rise up against another brother or a sister or someone. And if you do have an allegation against them, that there needs to be two people, two witnesses to the Mm. fact. So when you think about it, it is very rare when abuse happens that there will be a person 
that will witness what is going on because these things are usually done behind closed doors and in the dark and in a very insidious way. Yeah. So this two-person rule, this two-witness rule can, cannot happen. And I think this is what the Royal, Royal Commission found, that this was a, a major, major downfall and discrepancy. Yeah. Because this and, couldn't, couldn't happen. Right. And, and two things to note as well is that prior to 1998, the... so. Um, a person coming forward to um, make allegations had to do it in front of, as you mentioned, um, in front of their perpetrators as well as the elders. That's no longer practiced. But the organization, as you mentioned, also say that um, they condemn child abuse and so on. But they had in their records, which they gave in evidence to the commission, 1,000, I think 1,006. Yeah, um, uh, members of the organization were alleged to have committed abuse. So why is there such a discrepancy, do you think? Um, a lot of the time it's about uh, maintaining the reputation of Jehovah mm. and the reputation of the organisation and not uh, bringing a bad name on God. Yeah. And, and that's the main thing that's to protect their organisation, to protect their business, basically. So their core business is God and I don't want to tarnish that that view of God there. Uh, that, that's going to be my one word. That's going to be my one sentence answer to that. That's what it's about, really. Beautiful. Okay, so now um, ex-members of Jehovah Witness are coming together, and there's also a protest that's organized. Um, well, that that's, I think, November 22nd it's organized for. Can you tell me about what that protest is and where people can go to? Absolutely. There's about um, 80 <coughs> ex-Jehovah's Witnesses um, and we'll be holding a silent protest from Friday the 22nd to Sunday the 24th of November from 7.30am to 6pm mm. at Marvel Stadium. And uh, we have permission to be there. We've been organising this for about eight months now. <clears throat> and the protest is happening outside Marvel Stadium and within the perimeter of Mar Marvel Stadium because it is the Jehovah's Witnesses International Convention mm. happening over those three days where some of my family will be, and I get to wave to them. And the protest name is Love Never Shuns, and this is in response to the Jehovah's Witnesses convention theme, which is Love Never Fails. Mm. So we've chosen our own themes. Cute. I, I know, love it. Right? It's right pretty back good. It's pretty good. <laughs> and what we want to do is to inform the community of the harm that Jehovah's Witnesses organization causes in society to protect current and former Jehovah's Witnesses from unacceptable policies, including being abandoned by their families, to protect our community from the many sexual predators known by the Jehovah's Witnesses to be within their organization but not responded to or not reported to authorities, and also to provide information about their teachings and policies. Mm. So it is a silent protest. We are not going to be... So screaming, that sort of thing. We're going to be there and people can approach us and ask us questions and also get support. And we're just going to be, we're going to be littered around mm. the Marvel Stadium. And it's, it's just also to have a public eye mm. there, which is really important. And thank yeah. you for inviting me onto your program to discuss this because for me it is, yeah. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. That's my history, <laughs> and we haven't got that much time to discuss it. Yes. It's, it's a pretty complex yeah. um, idea, but that's what it, why mm. it's happening. And, if, if it's okay, I'd like to give people some support places where they can get some more information. So if you want more information, you can go to saysorry.org forward slash 2009, jwfax.com, uh, which is done by my very good friend in Sydney called Paul Grundy. 
saysorry.org, jwleaks.org, uh, jw.support and jwinformed.org. And the protest is happening, like I said, from this Friday to Sunday. And if people have, um, have experienced child abuse, yes. I just mm. want to say that you can call the National Redress Scheme on 1-800-737-377, Monday to Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. local time. And that's in response to the Royal Commission into Institutional Response to Child Sex Abuse. Uh, and applications can be made any time before 30th of June, 2027. Just want to quickly plug that the Redress Scheme, uh, in terms of the Redress <coughs> Scheme, Jehovah's Witnesses haven't signed up to the Redress Scheme. Um, so keep an eye on the website to see when they will, if they will sign up. If. But there are also lots of other legal options, which, I mean, I don't really want to go into it, but do your research. No, thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, your Googles, yes. And also, I just want to say, if there's anyone out there, any uh, ex-Jehovah's Witnesses or current Jehovah's Witnesses that are listening to this, you can email me as well. So my name, uh, my email is mxmv3cr at gmail.com if you need support or if you want to know where we're meeting or you just want someone to hug outside of the protest or to talk to, yeah, you can approach me, okay, and just yeah. give me a call in advance um, if you need to. Um, and if you want to, obviously, if you want to... Um, attend the protests and on Facebook just look up 2019 JW Protest Melbourne Australia or JW Protest you'll find the things that mm. you need to know but the, the main information is at saysorry.org if you want more information mm. about the um, yeah the protest and the mm. details oh, we love you so much thank you for sharing your story MV thank you QR Code is an LGBTIQA plus health podcast made by queers. Across eight episodes, hear us engaging with our communities, discussing diverse and intersecting topics. On In Your Face on the last Friday of every month. Or download from 3cr.org.au forward slash QR Code. And follow us on Facebook at QR Code 3CR. Funded by the City of Yarra. VCR broadcasters present over 100 radio programs every week, including a diverse range of community language shows. Come to one at VCR Community Radio. Please subscribe now. Suscríbete ahora. Support the station that gives your community a voice. Subscribe to 3CR. CR are selling kafir Palestinian scarves in support of the last factory that produces them in Hebron, Palestine. All profits will be donated to the reconstruction efforts in Gaza and support Palestinian industry. These are traditional scarves available in red and black or you can choose from a modern design. Go to 3cr.org.au slash shop to buy online or drop into the station during business hours. QR Code is an LGBTIQA plus health podcast made by queers. Across eight episodes, hear us engaging with our communities discussing diverse and intersecting topics. 
on In Your Face on the last Friday of every month. Or download from 3cr.org.au forward slash QR code. And follow us on Facebook at QR Code 3CR, funded by the City of Yarra. Good morning, you're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio. There's a bit of a technical difficulty, so we might come back in a minute. Stick with us. We know you love our 3CR Radical Radio t-shirts, and so do we. They're 100% cotton and Australian made, and you can get one for just $30. They come in black, dark grey, and a cool light grey. To nab one of these beauties, drop into the station at 21 Smith Street or order by phoning 94198377 or you can visit us online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Come on, you know you want one. Good morning, you're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio with myself, Anya. We have George, Ayan and Chris. Also, we have a very special guest in the studio for you, Joe, Dr. Joe Latham. How are you? Good, thanks for having me. Um, I was going to introduce you, but I think maybe you can introduce yourself. Oh, that's embarrassing. (laughs) So I am the Alfred Deakin Postdoctoral Research Fellow at Deakin University. Mm-hmm. And I'm um, also honorary fellow in cultural studies at the University of Melbourne. Um, and my research uh, thinks about how trans and intersex people experience medical processes and healthcare, uh, with a focus on the improvement of care. Beautiful. Um, and before we get into your research, I just want to quickly talk about the panel that happened um, maybe two months ago. Um, for listeners who are not aware, can you talk to me a little bit about what the panel was about? Yeah, so we organised a public event at the University of Melbourne um, with a panel of uh, trans people and trans scholars to talk about the relationships between trans politics and feminism and how they're being lived in universities uh, at the moment. Beautiful. Um, and it was a great panel, and we were going to play some audio, but I don't think we might have enough time today. Um, yeah, but we might play it next week. Promises, but just promises. <laughs> oh, <wow>. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was listening last week. There was promises made. Oh, we have eight followers now, not seven. Um, all right, Joe, maybe talk to me about, um, I guess, Transfeminism as a concept because that came up a lot and it is coming up a lot for some reason, but we'll get into that. Um, mm. But yeah, talk to me about the concept first. Yeah, it's tricky, I guess. I mean, it's taken in many different ways. I mean, I guess for me, I think of, you know, being trans and doing trans work as always already feminist. Like, I think that, you know, trans people and trans theory. Uh, live the way that we do now because of feminism and because of feminist theory and that that's really important to understand and recognise. And most people do, most trans people, most trans scholars. Um, But like all things, there's always, you know, a small minority of people who take things a different way and who sort of use what they think of as feminist ideas to try to exclude trans people. Um, I'm sure that's not news to your listeners, Mm -hmm. but that is... uh, how a particular type of people who call themselves feminists operate. Um, so the panel was really trying to think through, you know, how 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 are these problems lived for people who work and study at universities at the moment? Yeah. And while we were talking about this interview, 
you mentioned um, the usefulness of feminist thinking and solidarity. Can you explain what, what you mean by that? Yeah, well, I think, you know, if you think, you know, on a kind of basic level that, you know, women and men are not treated equally and that something needs to be done about that, then that is a way of thinking about how gender oppression operates and it doesn't operate equally amongst all people and it Mm. doesn't, you know, just affect women. Yeah. And this, I mean, this um, sort of topic has come up a lot, especially, I want to say in the last year or so, but recently, even in the UK, the, um, you know, the Stonewall organisation, a a huge part of it split from that organisation and set up their own organisation called LGB and they, you know, dropped the T basically and making a big statement about this. But it also seems to be happening a lot um, everywhere, this this sudden, not sudden, but this increased backlash against um, trans people. Do you, what are your thoughts on that? Is there a particular reason why this is happening? Is this linked to, I guess, you know, the rise of marriage equality and that sort of concepts? Yeah, I guess, you know, it is about, you know, how norms and normativity operate and the fact that people find it easier to accept people that they see as the same as them. Mm. And so a lot of political movements have always been operated around trying to convince the majority that people who are marginalised or minorities are just the same as them. Um, and that's mm. how marriage equality operated. But it's also important to know that those things change and they change slowly and that, that you need, you know, those sort of marginally different people to open things up for people who are much more different, I think. Mm. Um, and it's also true that, you know, marriage equality, that operated for trans and intersex people as well, right? It wasn't just mm. gay and lesbian, bisexual people who were able to get married, like trans people, intersex people couldn't get married before then either mm. in a lot of cases. Yeah. Okay. Um, and now talk to me about your new book. Uh, yeah, so uh, my book's just been sent to press, so it won't be out for another year, so I'll have to come talk Does to you guys Does it take a whole year to print a book? <laughs> yeah, no, it goes to sense on, the manuscript sent on a ship, I think. But yeah. uh, <laughs> it's called uh, Making Maleness, Trans Men and the Politics of Medicine. Mm. And uh, I think through the ways that medical processes operate and how trans men experience those processes and the kind of conflicts and clashes that come from those different ways of understanding gender, so between medicine and trans people and the internal diversities in both of those Mm. fields. And we hear a lot um, about trans women, but I think, you know, trans men are largely invisible. And um, it's not, I mean, I haven't seen that much talk about trans men. Why do you think that is? Why Why is it so such an invisible mm. topic? Yeah, a lot of reasons, I think. And I talk about this in the book, obviously, but, you know, the way that um, a medical treatment paradigm works is based on a male to female um, way of thinking. So as though people transition just one way from male to female. Um, and that was really how this, phenomenon as a medical problem was thought about for a long time Mm. um and but you know i mean trans men or people who are trans masculine have always existed in different ways Mm. um and i think you can understand a lot about how gender works in society by just looking at that paradigm like why is it that people thought that this was a one-way phenomenon um and a lot of the way trans men 
are treated, I think, as a result is is this idea of it being one way. And it's like um, trans men are sort of thought of as trans women in reverse, which is just ridiculous because if you understand anything about gender or the fact that men and women are treated differently, then people who are transitioning from female to male are going to have a completely different experience, not just on like a technical medical level, Mm -hmm. i.e. getting different surgeries, taking different hormones, Mm -hmm. but that your lived experience of gender is profoundly different. Mm. So that's one aspect. I mean, another aspect is also is the visibility. Trans women tend to be a lot more physically visible. Mm-hmm. Trans men tend to be able to pass mm. as non-trans much more easily, again, because of the way we understand gender and how it works. If you have facial hair and you have this kind of voice like I do, people don't question your gender. Mm. And of course, that then, you know... Um then we have to start thinking about people who choose not to medically transition for whatever reason and how that affects their, or how people view their gender presentation as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and a lot of my book talks about the way access operates towards medical processes. So it's an incredibly arbitrary, uh, difficult, expensive process. Um, and of course, a lot of people you know, don't want to take up those medical interventions for their own personal reasons. But it's also the case that heaps of people just don't have access to them. Mm. And that infects people's politics, right? Like, if you don't have access to something, then you think about it differently. Yeah. And I think you can look at the way that, you know, genital surgeries for trans men operate. Like, for a long time, it was sort of thought of that that was not a possible surgery to have. Mm. And so, and a lot of people took on that ontology, that way of being, right? Like, this is the way that a trans man is, is to, like, have not had genital surgery. But genital surgeries are possible for trans men. Yeah. And a lot of people get them. And so then there's, like, a different way of thinking that goes along with that. Yeah, okay. That's, I mean, that's really interesting that people don't even think about. Yeah. Mm. And so what are you working on at the moment? What am I working on? Mm. Ah, well, I'm thinking about... Um, I've been working on a project about... Men, mostly non-trans men, as far as we know, who use steroids, and um, most of which is testosterone. And so I've been thinking about the kind of parallels between trans men who use testosterone and non-trans men who use steroids, performance-enhancing drugs, most of which is testosterone, Mm -hmm. and how those things uh, sort of get mapped against each other or not. Yeah. Mm. That's really interesting. And um, is that part of your book? No, that's a separate... No, that's my post book. Yeah. <laughs> post book. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming in today, Joe. Um, I'm really looking forward to your book. When is it getting released again? Probably this time next year. All right, cool. We'll have you back in a year's time. <laughs> Thanks very much. I'd love to. QR Code is an LGBTIQA plus health podcast made by queers. Across eight episodes... Hear us engaging with our communities, discussing diverse and intersecting topics on In Your Face on the last Friday of every month. Or download from 3cr.org.au forward slash QR code. And follow us on Facebook at QR code 3CR. Funded by the City of Yarra. On Thursday 28th of November at 12pm, environment groups and communities from across Victoria will peacefully rally together at Parliament to call for urgent action for our natural world. After five years of the Andrews government, nature deserves more, especially in the face of climate change. Victorians need new and better funded national parks, stronger nature laws and better protection for our threatened forests, rivers, beaches, oceans and native plants and animals. 
We need real action for our natural places and wildlife now. Join in the Nature for Life rally. Bring a sign to highlight the natural places you love that deserve better protection. See you on Parliament Steps, Thursday 28th of November at 12pm. Look for Nature for Life rally on Facebook and visit Victoria National Parks Association website vnpa.org.au forward slash rally. VNPA is a 3CR supporter. VCR are selling kefir Palestinian scarves in support of the last factory that produces them in Hebron, Palestine. All profits will be donated to the reconstruction efforts in Gaza and support Palestinian industry. These are traditional scarves available in red and black or you can choose from a modern design. Go to 3cr.org.au slash shop to buy online or drop into the station during business hours. Wondering how you pay your donation to the 3CR Radiothon? Well, you can do so online at www.3cr.org.au or call us with your credit card details on 0394198377. You can also come into the station at 21 Smith Street Fitzroy during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FPOS. Or simply post your cheque or money order to P.O. Box 1277 Collingwood 3066 and be sure to tell us which program you'd like your donation to go to. Tilda is one of only a handful of trans and gender diverse film festivals in the world and is returning to Footscray Community Arts Centre from Thursday the 28th of November to the following Sunday. Tilda showcases the works of TGD filmmakers and artists and films that have TGD content for TGD people, allies and the wider community. Check out the full program and get tickets at tildemelbourne.com. That's T-I-L-D-E melbourne.com, a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on you're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR. We have one final interview. It's been such a packed show as always. So much good content. We have the pleasure of being joined in the studio by a fellow 3CR volunteer. Hi. Hello. Hi. <laughs> and Hi. also uh, uh, a unionist and and many many other things. Tilda Joy, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, John. Uh, and just a bit more introduction. So Tilda Joy is a unionist, trans woman, community organizer, part-time retail worker. In 2018, was elected as national president of the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, becoming the first transgender union president in so-called Australia and possibly the world. That's like that's that's huge. Yeah, yeah. I'm still wrapped. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <okay. laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, really proud to rep the union in that way. Yeah, absolutely. And you also uh, are on the sewer show on 3CR. Yeah, that's right. First um, first Friday of the month. It's the sewer um, on the sewer show. Uh, it's Wobbly Week, so I'm also a member of the Industrial Workers of the World, cool. one big union for all the workers. Yeah. And we've got our week on uh, first Fridays. Yeah. 5.30 to 6.30. Awesome. So you were here to talk to us about Slut Walk, which happened on the weekend, and you were emceeing. 
Yeah. So I regrettably was not able to make it, so I want to hear everything. How did it go? Sure, yeah. Talk us through it. It was so amazing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah, There's so many people this year. I think it might have been a little bit larger than last year. I reckon there's probably about a 1,000, which is, um, yeah, phenomenal, all packed in there. Um, Had some amazing speakers, had um, Peaches from Vixen Collective. Yes. um, Had Marla Bird, had um, Chanel Rogers. Uh, someone named Rachel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, just some really amazing speakers talking about all kinds of things. Um, this year, I think it was pretty strong on um, police accountability themes. Right. Um, yeah, especially seeing what's happened up in um, Yuendamu with uh, yes. Jay Walker. Yeah. Um, I understand the family saying, don't want to speak too much about the case right now, so yep. I'll get into it. But there was a lot of um, sentiment about police violence and looking back at the origins of... Um, the slut walk itself, um, starting from a you know a remark from a cop in Toronto. Yeah, can you tell tell us a bit more about that? Sure. Yeah, there was this cop um, in 2011 who was quoted in a newspaper or something, um, just saying that uh, basically if women didn't want to be sexually assaulted, that they should avoid dressing like sluts. Just Classic. Classic the, line. Um, yeah. Kind of international outrage yeah. Yeah, <laughs> over, yeah. over that remark. Um, you know, something sometimes just things catch on and. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there were, you know, um, slut walks across the world. Um, here in Melbourne, we took part in the first one in 2011, and we've had our ninth one now, which is amazing. Yeah. yeah it seems to be getting bigger it's every a year. Tradition. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I heard. Um, I heard from Laura McLean, who was a regular, <laughs> a regular guest on the show, that it, there was kind of a bit of an interesting dynamic in terms of you know, there's always people watching on the mm. sidelines at a rally, but there was a particular kind of watching at the at this one. Yeah. Can you, was that what you experienced as well? Yeah, definitely. That's generally been the case of the yeah. ones I've I've been to. Um last year I was kind of part of the um kind of the spotters crew for that, looking out for people. Yeah. Um yeah, this year we had a few incidents of people coming along and not respecting um, you know, the idea of consent around photo, uh, taking photos yes, and things. Yeah. Um, so we had a few issues with that and trying to move people on and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I think actually a lot better than last year. This year, last year we had um, a lot of fascists coming down to kind of try and disrupt it, um, which we managed to handle. Yeah. Um, this year was mainly just pervs. Um, okay. <laughs> just <laughs> another yeah. group. There was yeah. one, one, one guy who was there to start trouble, but... Um, yeah, but besides that, it was, um, yeah, I think a, a lot safer than, than previous years, for sure. That's really good to hear. And yeah. maybe because it's been going on for so long now, there's more organising and, and yeah. being more careful around those things to keep people safe. Yeah, I think it just gets stronger and stronger. Yeah. yeah. And so can you talk, us, uh, talk to us a bit more about this, the, what, what was mentioned at the speeches, you know, the main, the main messages? Sure, yeah, I mean, there was... Um, it's probably not my stories to repeat, really, but people were really sharing some really um, kind of raw stuff about their personal experiences with um, sexual assault and violence and things like that. Um, in particular, um, I could probably speak about Peach's speech, which was talking about um, basically the need for decriminalisation of sex work and basically the levels of violence um, that occur um, to sex workers and the specific legislative rights that are given to perpetrators of sexual violence against sex workers, the mm. way that you get do get reduced sentences and different charges if you are um, perpetrating sexual violence against someone at, in their workplace. Mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> for that reason, yeah. So 
that was a particularly powerful one, but yeah, I think just generally everyone sharing some pretty personal stories. Um, Chanel Rogers um, shared a story of her campaign, Not Your Honey, um, which was running out of Honey Burdette. Yeah. Um, she did in uh, conjunction with the Young Workers Centre at Victorian Trades Hall. Um, yeah, just talking about the combating that kind of um, sexist kind of culture there in retail, um, specifically around the Christmas period and that kind of thing, um, you know, and being encouraged to kind of uh, act as if you were a customer's mistress and, you know, like, so they could, yeah, this kind of thing. Really gross stuff, but, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I guess that sharing of stories, it, it really, you know, it, it's so relevant in terms of the Me Too movement. It's really a way of being able to explain, you know, this is the extent of it. And this Absolutely. is why we need change, and this is what people need to understand. Yeah, and I think the the power of it is that everyone's got a story like that, you know, yeah. like um, uh, I, well, not absolutely everyone, but you know, like it's it, none of my partners that I've ever been with have ever, you know, um, they've all experienced something like that, you know, yeah. whether it's at work or with a previous partner or something, you know, messed up happens at a party or whatever. Like, a, yeah, um, it affects everyone whether it's you or someone you love and yeah. i think that's the power of sharing these stories yeah absolutely and then i guess that crossover because you mentioned sex worker legislation and how this feeds into policies you know mm. these ideas that we have in society yeah and, and creating those links and you can see that kind of intersectional understanding that's required like who is impacted and in different ways totally yeah totally yeah so how was it for you, emceeing? I mean, that would have been a big responsibility. How did you feel by the end of it? Oh my God, it was amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was so fun. It was such a such an amazingly good vibe. Um, you know, despite like the heavy content and everything, um, it was really kind of resilient, strong vibe. I was so proud to kind of be given the opportunity to to um, you know chair chair the rally in that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that was just amazing, and all the speakers were incredible, and I was just yeah. Um, couldn't have gone better from my perspective. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I'm, I'm mainly jealous I missed it because I miss seeing you MC ah. running the show. Um, but uh, where to from here? You know, how, how do we keep building this momentum around this, this movement? Um, that's a big question. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry you with <laughs> no, it. No, no, that's fine. Um, I think there's, you know, there's some actions coming up which people can take part in um tomorrow it's um trans day of remembrance um and that's a um a big one uh this year um particularly seeing that um uh after the death of um melody palan bruno as a trans filipina woman who was killed in um, south australia um so that's a big one for our community at the moment and i think showing up and um having that solidarity for um people who have been um, been lost to to like gendered violence and mm. that is um, really important to be to be showing, um, and I think yeah like you mentioned the intersectionality of it all I think um, a big part of this is the um, the our communities aren't strong enough to um, enact our own justice and I think you know police accountability and and things like that were really strong themes of the day um, because we don't have that justice around gendered violence in our communities mm. and um you know police aren't 
protecting us in the way we'd like to and you know yeah like to have our communities protected i don't know that everyone wants to be protected by the police but <laughs> yeah uh, exactly uh, particularly by the communities that you've been mentioning for yeah sure. yeah totally yeah and so w- i guess this is a, an ongoing conversation that w- that we're all having around what accountability should look like mm. yeah yeah yeah, so if, if anyone's about, I think it's 6 p.m. Um, tomorrow, is a, there's a vigil at the Fitzroy Town Hall. Yeah. Um, so if anyone, I'm actually going to work. But, <laughs> but if, Feed if the capitalist machine, but yeah. you're part of the union, so you're that's actually right. challenging it. So that's <laughs> yeah, actually yeah, 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 always, always organising. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if people can show up to that, that would be um, seriously amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, um, especially, you know, there'll be a bunch of trans people there, but a lot of trans people... Don't you know? A lot of my friends don't um, feel safe coming out to that kind of thing either, like because we've experienced that. It's a bit triggering and that kind of thing. So, um, all our accomplices and allies, um, you know, you know it'd be really good to see you there tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Tilda, for your time. Oh, it's a total morning. pleasure. Thanks for having me and giving us the debrief. Yeah. I think it was extremely <laughs> important. <laughs> total pleasure. Thank you. Three CR broadcasters present over a hundred radio programs every week including a diverse range of community language shows. Come to one thing at 3CR Community Radio, please subscribe now. Just a moment, 3CR Community Radio, Araja Al Ishtarakal and Ningal Ungalin Samuhavanali, 3CR Kurtu Kondir Kondir Kal, Rindri Nayingal. Están escuchando Radio Comunitaria 3CR. Suscríbete ahora. Netsuketsek Radio I Gayaranin. For a time, good am Elbumi Hai Kaotin. Hima Artanakrevetsek Iper Trisiari Antam. Support the station that gives your community a voice. Subscribe to 3CR. Genocide here is a lot more sneaky than it is in Rwanda or other places around the world. It's one thing white fellows learnt in the last 200 years to be very sneaky about their genocide. You look at the 38 nations that were here before white settlement and then you count up the numbers that are still surviving, still out there doing their business on their country. Well, there's only 25 left, so what happened to the other 13? Let's talk about the Black GST. Genocide to be stopped, sovereignty acknowledged and treaties made. Tune in to Fire First every Wednesday from 11am till 12 midday on 3CR with Robbie Thorpe. In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. Years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. 3CR's Radical Radio book is now on sale for just 30 You can get your copy of 3CR's book at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Get a piece of your own history on sale for just $30. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. You're listening to uh, you're listening to Tuesday Becky on 3CR. We've got Ayan, we've got me, George, Chris, Anya went somewhere. Uh, <laughs> we've She's still gone got now. Dr. Joe Latham is still with us. 
Anya's back. All right. Uh, so just to wrap up the show, we want to thank all of our incredible guests. We had MV, obviously, regular 3CR uh, producer and presenter, and they were talking about the protest mm. on the 22nd of November yeah. um, related to Jehovah's Witnesses. Yep. Yeah. so it starts at 8 a.m., um, and it will be at the um, Marvel Stadium. We yes. have the Marvel Stadium. But if you if you want to know uh, more information, you can jump on Facebook and type in 2019 JW protest. Yes, great. And then we had Dr. Joe Latham talking about transfeminism and his latest book. We also had Tilda Joy who came on to debrief about Slut Walk. And the last thing that I want to very, very quickly mention was that uh, we've got International Day of People with Disability coming up. 3CI will be doing a lot of great content. And just want to credit the artist who did the poster for that, uh, 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 Rukaya Springle. It is an absolutely beautiful poster. Looking forward to that day. We'll see you next week.